Jorge won the Top Shot Award last yesterday. He outshot all of us. We probably went through about uh, probably about a thousand rounds of ammo. Woo! In case you guys don't know what's going on, uh, you're like, what are you talking about here? Uh, me and a few of the men from the church went out to uh, the Vasquez Ranch up in uh, Banquete, Texas, right on the, on the banks of the Aguadusa Creek, and we shot probably about a thousand rounds of ammo. I'm talking anything from 22 all the way up to uh, 7 by 2, 6 by 5, 4, something like that. I mean, it was like piercing 3 eighths metal. It was a very manly thing. Andrew caught two alligator guard, which is the more, the more I never caught two alligator guard in my life. He caught them in like an hour between each other. It was insane. Uh, we barbecued. Ray went out there, barbecued. Dustin went out there and helped us not screw up the guns. And it was, it was just an incredible day. To you guys that had to work, uh, don't worry. We're going we're gonna to hook it up again some, sometime later on. Uh, probably in a couple of months, we'll try to get back out there, and uh, or if anything, just get out there and just do some more guy stuff. Um, but uh, today, uh, we're going to have a quick message, because today is the fifth Sunday of the month, and as you might notice, there's a lot of little kids here in the audience today, and that's okay, because every fifth Sunday of the month, we give our church a time to worship together as a family. And listen, it's okay if the kids are crying. It's okay if they're, they're walking around. Like, this is okay. This is a kid-friendly church service. In fact, I was just telling Sarah, I was looking at, at my, my kids kind of rummaging around, asking questions. Like, I think they forgot how to worship, you know? And so I think it's important for us to do this. We do this every fifth Sunday. It also gives our volunteers a break. Uh, we have very great volunteers in the children's ministry that step up and they volunteer every week uh, uh, when they are needed. And even sometimes when they are kind of just walking in, they're all ready to go. And Sarah's like, someone couldn't, someone called off, can you step up this week? And they're like, yes. And they, they jump in line. And so uh, if you're a children's volunteer, would you just give yourself a round of applause? We thank you so much. Like, you guys do so much for us. Thank you so much. Uh, I will say this, we have some openings. Uh, so, uh, we have Wayne and Tammy fixing to leave. Uh, we have um, some other people who got relocated uh, this past week um, through housing and all that. And so, we are short on volunteers. Uh, pretty pretty big right now. So, if you're like, man, I don't know how to get connected. I don't know how to, how to get involved in church. Well, you know what? I have a great opportunity for you right here. So, it's in the kids area. Those lovely little children. We'll call them children, Right? So that's what we got going on. We are also starting a new series today called Letters from Jail. Sorry, Letters from Prison. And you're like, oh, God, what's going on? Straight up, okay, it's going to be a walkthrough to the book of Philippians. And we're going to go expository style preaching. That means we're going to go verse by verse of the whole book of Philippians. Now, the last time we did this, we went to the book of Mark. It took us two whole years to go through the whole book of Mark. In fact, it was over two years. So I urge you that if you're one of those people that just likes a little two, three-week sermon series, this is probably not going to be for you. But if you were to come and if you were to bring a journal and take notes, I promise you, you will grow in your understanding of what the book of Philippians. It's a great, great book. And then if you're like, man, I don't like to take notes in the journal. I'm, I'm the type of guy that likes to, can you just give me a piece of paper with the blanks filled in there? Yeah, I just want to fill in the blank of the notes. Look, let me tell you something. If you limit God to a blank on the piece of paper, then you're limiting God to what he is going to be speaking to you. Please give him a whole notebook, a whole journal. So when you're, when I'm preaching, you're like, 
I mean, he's talking to you. You can just write down what he is saying to you as we're going through this book. It's going to be incredible. And I also will urge you, as the series continues, that if you would just uh, maybe discuss what we learned on Sunday for a little bit during your time together in your missional community groups, missional city groups throughout the week. You're like, well, we don't have anything throughout the week. Well, we're fixing to get started back up. School's starting back up. We'll be starting those again at our home or throughout the area in Corpus Christi. If you are interested in starting a missional city group, please come talk to me. Uh, We wanted to launch in the fall with two other groups besides the ones that we already have. And so we need people to step up and say, hey, I want to take this one family and we're going to study the Bible together in our area of town and we're going to grow together. We're going to live life together. We're going to have eating together and watching movies and all that. So let's go ahead and, and get together and live in community. I think the men said they're going to do a missional city group out on the Vasquez Ranch every week. So I don't know. It was awesome. We, do, we were literally catching fish, skinning them, and then throwing them on the grill. They, there was no refrigeration time. It was like bam and bam and then bam. It was a boom. It was good. <laughs> so that being said, let's embark on this journey. Uh, we're going to keep it short and sweet today. Two verses today because I know we have kids in the, in the room. I want to get you guys out on time. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Philippians chapter 1. It's where we're going to be today. If you don't have your Bible, um, it's on the screen behind me. Uh, Bible's under your seat. You can log on to Facebook. Scripture should be there. If not, I apologize. And so um, get on there and uh, get the Scriptures for today. Let's start off like this. Um, start off reading. It says, chapter 1, verse 1 says this. It says, Paul and Timothy... Servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's go ahead and just kind of park it here because we're going to be here for the rest of the service. Because if you're like me, though, you will just kind of read this and you will just bypass it quickly. Okay, because, you know, you might be thinking, oh, that's just, that's just the greeting of the book. Okay, that's just like the, 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 the preview of what's to come. That's just the start of something. You might be saying, that is just the, uh, that's just a long, formal way of saying, dear church in Philippi. You know, this is just this, this you know, nothing is really in there, but that is all, all, all the wrong thing. There is so much in the greeting itself. In fact, many of your Bibles might actually separate those two verses as just greeting or the greeting in your Bible. And we have a tendency to just read over that. But every word in Scripture is God-breathed and every word in Scripture has meaning. So we're going to kind of break those down and really look at them. See, Paul's greeting to the Philippians has so much meaning. His greeting to the Philippians sounds the theme of the gospel of grace immediately at the very start of the book. And the whole theme of the gospel of grace is preached throughout this whole book. I said earlier that the book of Philippians is literally a book about a guy who's in jail, in jail, riding back to church. Excuse me, I don't know what's going on. It must be that alligator guard coming back up. That guy who's in jail who is writing a letter back to the church that he once started. It's the theme of the gospel of grace. And as we go through it, you will start to understand why the more you read it. The more you read this whole book, in fact, I urge you, you know what, read ahead. Read the whole book. Make this be a theme in your life for the next few weeks. But he's in jail. He's sitting in jail. Now, just think about how depressing that could be. I don't know how many of y'all have ever been locked up. I don't think I want to know. 
because I'm pretty sure there's some. But you can imagine being the church in Philippi. And the guy who started the church, one of the pillars, one of the forefathers of your church, is sitting in jail for something he did not do wrong. In fact, he was just merely following his faith. He was believing in Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel, and they arrested him. Because even though Paul is locked up, he's trapped. He can't get to the church. But the good thing is is that even though he's locked up, God's grace and his good works are still working around him. So Paul wastes no time setting up this this theme of the gospel of grace. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. I'm going to just read them again. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Breaking that down just a bit. The fact that Paul could speak of himself as a servant of Christ Jesus testifies to God's grace in the life of a man who has once been an arrogant, self-righteous persecutor of the church. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty big, if you ask me. The fact that, that Paul could sit there and say that I am a servant of Jesus Christ on account of how messed up he was is a testament to the goodness of God's grace. In case you all don't know, and we talked about it a little bit last week, Paul wasn't always a really cool dude. In fact, much later on in the book of Philippians, he actually admits to being a persecutor of the church. That he admits the fact that he was a murderous, vindictive um, guy who was always uh, attacking the church of Christ before he became a Christian. He is the modern-day equivalent to what we are as sinners Because when we sin, we go against Christ. When we sin, we go against God. We are literally going against Jesus Christ and we are sinning. And Paul was that picture-perfect sinner for the longest time. Not only that, he was a Hebrew. He was a Pharisee. He was a nightmare for the underground church. He was a bad dude. And he was so bad that in 1 Timothy 2, verses 15, he says that this is a trustworthy saying. He says, everyone should accept it. Jesus came to into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. I don't know about you, but I've done some bad things in my life, but I have never admitted to being the worst one of them all. Maybe some of you guys have, I don't know. But to say that you are the worst sinner of everyone in the world is a pretty heavy weight to bear. You've really messed up a lot. Like, you have disobeyed your parents. You know, you have done really bad things in your life. You might have done just terrible, terrible things. Ungodly things. Things that you could not even feel comfortable confessing to someone because it would paint a picture of maybe a scarlet letter on your chest or maybe some type of picture on you that, that says that this person is just wicked. But he says, I am the worst of them all. That's not the only thing we can gather, though, from these first two verses. Paul continues to write in the greeting. He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. To all the saints. What he is writing, he's writing to us, the church. He's writing to everyone in the church. He's writing to the the saints, the ones who are called into the community of God. He is writing to the church, me and you. This is as if he is talking to us. 
And since the word saints literally means the holy one, it is the people of the church that, he is, that we can know that he is talking to, people like me and you. Paul reminds us that the gospel, that in the gospel, our identity has been fundamentally changed. That within the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are no longer known as the worst sinner of them all. But yet we are called saints. That within the gospel, since we are now the holy ones, we have been saved. We have given our life to Jesus. We have surrendered at some point in your life to Jesus Christ. You are no longer what you were. You are now a saint. And he says that. It is a testament to the gospel of grace. And it's a theme throughout this whole book. Having been cleansed by the work of Christ once and for all, we are now called to live holy lives that reflect who we are because we are saints. And you're like, but pastor, I, I still sin. But pastor, I still mess up. Pastor, I, I, you don't know me. I, I'm still doing bad things. And I'm like, well, maybe you need to repent some. Maybe you need to get back on track. The goodness is that God has grace for you. I don't care who you are. I don't care how messed up you are. If God can have grace for, for murderers and thieves, he can have grace on gossipers, gluttons, people full of pride, people, average people like me and you, who really aren't so average if you think about it in the light of God. My question to you is this, is that, that Paul understood God's grace. Paul understood his grace. In fact, last week we talked about um, I get to the question. I'm going sidetracked here. Uh, last week we talked about the thorn in Paul's side. Remember that? We said that Paul had a thorn that was in his side. And we said, we don't know what this thorn is. We don't know that where it was, but he was suffering immensely, constantly with this thorn in his side. And, and we were leaving and we, we were driving around and Sarah goes, you know what, babe? I was thinking about what you said. And you were saying that some people don't know what the thorn is in Paul's side. Some people think that it was, maybe it was epilepsy. Maybe it was a severe liver condition. Maybe it was some type of, you know, uh, pain or strain in the back. Some people say maybe it was the, the persecution that was coming on to him. But Sarah goes, you know what I think the thorn in his side was? I think it was the guilt that he felt for all the men and women and children he killed while he was persecuting the church. That even though he knows God's grace, he is still living with the fact that he did so much wrong against Jesus that it is a thorn in his side. It's a, a excruciating pain of guilt that he carries with him everywhere he goes. See, Paul knew about God's grace. He knew about it. My question to you, though, is that even though he knew about it, even though he was forgiven, do you know about God's grace? Can you tell me what God's grace is? Verse 2 says, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, grace and peace more than just mere greetings here. Grace and peace are two of God's greatest gifts to us through the gospel. Grace is God's unmerited favor and undeserving lavish of blessing on us. We said last week, it's the leaning in of God, the fact that you are suffering and God's grace does not stand back here behind this line and says, you come to me. The grace of God says, I'm going to cross that line. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to comfort you in your, in your time. And I'm coming towards you. That's God's grace. Him coming towards us, even though we do not deserve him. That's God's grace. 
And it says his peace is given to us. Peace is the restored, non-hostile relationship we now have with God. See, all of us have a relationship with God in some way or another. Except the ones who do not have that peace of God is a hostile relationship with God. Because you are sinful. Because you do things that are not of God. And your relationship with God, you think it might be good because you don't hear from him. But in reality, that's a hostile relationship with God because you've done it, pushed him away with your sin. But for those of us who have a peace with God, who have this, this, this peace that says, I am, I am sinful, yes, I know, but Jesus Christ came to save me. I believe in that. I trust in him. You now have a peace that says that, that all is well even in the midst of the storm. That all is well even in the midst of your ugliness and wickedness. That all is well even in the midst that uh, when every time you do something bad, because now that you do something bad because you are saved by God, he no longer sees that. He sees your beauty. He sees your, your, your devotion to him. He sees his son, Jesus Christ, and not you or, or your sins. That is the peace of God. And it's given to us. See, these things come only through Christ's selfless, sacrificing work on the cross and the, the resurrection of him three days later. The only way you can receive grace and peace is if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today. The only way you can receive grace and peace is if you understand the, the amount of effort and the distance he went for you to die on the cross and the, the work that it took for him to be resurrected three days later. That is when you receive grace and peace in your life. And it's something that we're going to reflect on today. We're going to remember today. Because we're going to be wrapping this up here in a second. Right before that, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper both as a church and as a family together. But before we do, let me say this. See, Paul is sitting in prison, and he's writing a letter, and he's thinking about God's grace. He's thinking about God's peace. And he's, he's writing this, you know, uh, and he's thinking about all these great things that God is doing in his life, even in the midst of all the chaos. And he's writing this into the church. He's saying, I'm so excited about what God is doing in the church in Philippi. God's grace is on you. And I think we all can agree that being locked up in prison is a pretty bad place to be, amen? It's a pretty messed up place to be, but yet Paul was praising God and reflecting on his grace. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that you stopped and praised God and reflected on his grace in the midst of a bad situation in your life? Let this be that moment for you. That before you come up here, we're going to all come up forward we're going to grab a piece of the bread and i'll I'll give you some instructions here but before you let this next few moments be that moment for you now i don't know what you're going through i don't know what you're dealing with but may this be your moment you might be going through something right now i don't know you might not be still praise god but let this be the moment where you give praise and thanks for what god is doing in your life you don't understand my life is messed up right now pastor my life is so messed up no praise god Because in the sufferings of of your life, God is still working great things for you. And you might not see that now, but eventually you will. God, I'm so heartbroken. I'm so depressed. I don't know why I'm going through this. You know what? Praise God. Because one day you're going to look back and be like, man, that time in my life that I was really messed up, he did something great. He made me stronger through that. He brought me out of this. Now I'm more wiser now. I'm not going to make the same bad choices that I did when I first got into that situation. Maybe you're, maybe you're just far from God. Maybe God's not even close to you. 
You got to come back to him. Let this be that moment where you come back to God right now. Maybe this be a moment where you finally have that, that you turn that, that relationship with God from a hostile relationship to a relationship of peace. Let this be that moment. Uh, maybe for you today, it's, it's a moment that, that you just need some time alone with Christ. You need to just kind of reflect on, on what he's doing. Let this be that moment. Don't, don't let this moment pass by. In just a bit, I'm going to pray over the elements of the Lord's Supper. And, and let me just say this right now. This is for everyone. Any religion, any, anything. If you have a relationship with Christ, if you know Jesus, if your heart is at peace, this is for you. This is for you. Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, whatever. This is for you. It's nothing to do with godly or, or manly made religions. This is for you. Okay? Just, in just a bit, I'm going to pray over the elements, and I'm going to ask everyone to do something what, what we do a little differently here at Impact City Church. Um, what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you guys to all stand up. We're going to have a song playing, and while that song is playing, I want you to come up to the front of the stage. Um, you know, you can come together as a family. You're going to take a piece of the bread right here, and I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll eat this, okay, so you don't like, oh, you put it back in there, okay, and um, I'm going to, I know some of you guys, germaphobes, um, you're going to take a piece of the bread, you're going to dip it into the juice, you're going to hold it over your hand, it's okay if it drips on your hand, don't be a pansy, and then we're going to walk over, and in your family, together, I want you, whatever family you're with, whether you're a family or you're together with uh, a community of friends, people you know, maybe it's your missional city group that's here tonight, the, the ladies that you guys are gathered together, whatever it is, I want you to gather together. I want you to find a corner, a space up in the back, maybe back there by the door, maybe over here by the, the metal art thing, maybe over here. I want you to find a place, maybe back at your seats, but before... I'm not going to lead you into that. I'm not going to say everyone's partaking this prayer. We're going to not go through the motions. No, we're not going to do it shallow like that. I want you as a family to pray together. And I, and I want you to lead your family in this or lead your group in this. And men, I'm speaking to you. Step up and lead your family in this. Pray over them. Lay hands on your wife and your children. Love them. Be the man in their life and do that. And those of you who are single... Those of you who don't have that, I would love to welcome you into my family. I'm pretty sure Jorge or Joel or Amanda would love to welcome you into their circle. Y'all find those people and love on them. And we'll gather together and we'll do this. Men, step up right now. This is when we need real men to step up in the church. So if you would, please, just go ahead and let's stand. I'm going to say a prayer. The song is going to start. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to worship God one more time. Afterwards, you go back to your seat, sit down, okay, and I'll, I'll dismiss us after this. It's such an honor to be your pastor. It's such an honor to lead such an incredible group of people. Look around, by the way. This is awesome. We don't even have everyone here today. We, we have so many great families here at this church. I'm so thankful for everyone here. Let me go ahead and pray. Father God, we just give you praise and thanks that through our suffering, Lord, you give us grace and you give us peace. That through the times ahead, that maybe we don't see the, the, the valleys that we're about to go into, that we know that you have peace and grace for us. That, Lord, that that grace and peace comes through the cross. 
through the salvation and the sacrifice that you gave us through your son, Jesus Christ, who bled for us that day in the cross at Calvary, who was pierced by the Roman soldier's spear, who bled out for you and for me, who suffered immense pain, who was separated from the Father, who bore the weight of all of our sins on the cross at Calvary. May we reflect on that as we come and we remember the cost that it was uh, that it took for us to be saved here today. And maybe you're in the audience and, and maybe you, you do not know Jesus. And maybe you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Would you just, just, you can make that decision now. You just surrender to Christ in this moment. Will you surrender to Christ and say, Lord, at this time, in this moment, I realize I am not perfect. There are things in my life that sometimes I might look back at my Facebook feed and I think I'm ashamed of that. But God you have love and you have grace and you have peace for me. And Lord, I welcome you into my life. Lord, I surrender my life. I lay it down for you. And Lord, may I, though I may not be perfect, Lord, may you please continue to work out salvation in my heart. May I continue to strive for you. And may I acknowledge the sacrifice that it took, the giving of your son's death to, and his son's life on the cross for me here today. Lord, because without you, there is no greater aim for us. Apart from you, Lord, there is no greater aim. And knowing you, Jesus, is the one thing that we need most. May we acknowledge you here today. May us men and, 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 and those of us who are, who are singles, may we, all, may we all gather together, may we pray over each other, may we, mothers, may you pray over your kids, fathers, may you embrace your spouse, singles, may you embrace one another and just, 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 in, in, in just love each other as the church love and, and, and let them know we are here for you. As a family, may we come together, may we remember Jesus' death here today and his resurrection through Holy Communion. It's in Christ's name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Take-